This podcast is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. A big thank you goes out to Adnan Isel, owner of Isellers Estate Winery. You can visit them at 615 Concession 5 Road in Niagara-on-the-Lake or check out their website at isellers.ca. Find out how you can support us, like Adnan, by visiting patreon.com slash twoguystalkingwine. You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. I that that's all I got. I love the old uh, Ennio <laughs> Morricone. That's good, the bad, and the ugly, of course. Because we're going to be talking about. The good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, some recent winery visits we've done. Yeah. 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 So, what have you been up to this summer? Uh, I had a chance to go to Prince Edward County. Oh, nice. Um, I did that in June. I had a good time this year. I had a good time this year as well. I, I spent some time at a couple wineries that uh, I just haven't had a chance to spend expended t- ex- extended amount of time with. Uh, and that was the Grange... And trail. I had a, a chance to do a really nice tasting with Mackenzie. Um, and I needed to go and taste the entire portfolio at Claus and Chase, which, even though it's it's a small portfolio right now, I don't think the wines have ever been better. I think Keith Dyers is doing a great job there. Uh, I think the rosé is really good. Uh, they have rosé? I didn't even get a chance to taste that. Probably all sold out. It's really good. I, I thought, if nice I'm being rose. perfectly honest, I thought their sparkling was a little underwhelming but by the I think, time i think it's a little pricey and a little underwhelming but i mean by the I, time I, I tasted through the third chardonnay which like each one gets better and better and more rich and more complex uh i'd completely forgotten about the sparkling no and um i i, I want to hope that they're going to be doing a traditional method i haven't heard anything but look as Kloss and chase ah uh, they've got to do a traditional method it's just to do charmat i'm just hoping it's kind of a shoulder thing till they get I also think it's it's tough to ask $30 for a bottle of Charmat sparkling yeah. wine, especially when you've got Casadea making their Pinot Chardonnay, the yeah. Deus Cuvée, at like 19 bucks. I don't know if they've raised the price, but it's still it's a $10 difference, dude. $10. Yeah, yeah. for Charmat. For Charmat. And, and, and the Deus Cuvée is fantastic wine. So, And... Um... Yeah, I, th- I thought the Pinots were good there. The church side. The church the side. The church stuff. side. The Chardonnay Ooh, man. and the Pinot. Fabulous bottles. Yeah. Uh, I had a moment when I tasted the, the church side Pinot where it was just like, shut up and take my money. Oh. You wet yourself too, didn't you? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> okay. All right. else you went in the county that you're in? Um, I, I, I spent quite a bit of time at, at Hinterland. Um, I mean, the lineup is all of their Charmat stuff. But once again, we're talking about around twenty twenty four bucks. Did you try his uh, cider? Did not try the, the cider. It was, cider. It was it was not ready when we were there. Oh, I must uh, have got the last two bottles. Vicky was nice enough to take me and taste through some barrels. They have some really exciting uh, Pinot table wine mm-hmm. uh, going there with fruit from Niagara. They have some really exciting Chardonnay yep. on the go. Um, and I, I know we're going to be seeing more more bubbles down the road as I, well. I know that um, uh, for this Friday. Uh, we are going to open up a 2009 Rosé Hinterland Sparkling. I want to see how the 10 years is, is done to it. you got to let me know, because I actually have a bottle of 2009 uh, Lise 12. Oh, yeah. Well, rosé, I've, I've had bad luck with, with aged rosés. 
I mean, that's it. That is way. is it's it's just I have a hard time. I, I mean, I'm finding especially in in uh, Niagara the rosé that shorter time on leaves, like the Featherstone, where it's like 12 months on leaves. You get that freshness, and yeah. also like Light Hall. There's a Charmat as well, but it's it's a short time. Um, Henry Pelham makes a, a great rosé. That Cuvée Catherine rosé is just really holds on to that red fruit, a little bit of freshness, a little bit yeah. of the conf- confected confected red fruit. I really I really like that. And they're they're about 24 months now. Uh, I think uh, talking to Daniel Speck, he says he's ba- they backed off a little. So it's, I think it's about 20, 24 months. They wanted to keep that freshness into it. I also find it funny that both of us, while we're talking, are playing with corkscrews. You know they're fun you're, to play with. You know, you, know, you know you're into wine when you're okay just sitting there playing, playing with the with corkscrews. corkscrews. Um, I, I want to talk just a little bit about my tasting at Trail as well with uh, Mackenzie. She invited me at I4C to come and check out what she's up to. And uh, I know you and I are, are both fairly critical of... Uh, some of the wine fads uh, off microphone. You went on a bit of a rant about pet gnats. Oh Jesus! I wish that would just make a slow death. You know what? I there's a, there's a market. Did you for want it. me to rant about pet net for a moment? Yeah, there's a, a meth. Uh, there's a there's a so it's market. not it's wine's not made for you and me. You know what? I I pulled two bottles out of the fridge the other day. I took a look at them. And they have a crap on the bottom. Okay. Okay. And I'm like, do I really want to drink this? It's just Lees. It's Marmite. Correct. I get it. But then I cry. Look, I paid for a bottle that's 750 milliliters. I don't want to drink 600 because I got to filter the shit out. And the other thing is, I don't want to have to filter shit out. There's a reason why wineries filter. There's a reason why we went to filtration. It's to get that shit out. Boy, there's a lot of money going to Brian Schmidt tonight. That being said, there's a lot of really great unfiltered wines in the province. The unfiltered Chardonnay from Stratus is coming out. It's fantastic. But it's not pet net and it doesn't sit there. You know, dead Lee's cells don't sit there and I can drink the whole bottle. Oh, you'll still end up with a hell of a lot of sediment if you let those wines sit for a while. I'm okay with that. That I'm expecting. I don't want a bottle that I bought two days ago to be be full of that crap. So, Michael, I'm going to give you some advice. And this one's free. Don't buy pet nets. I don't don't like them. I just don't like them. I like sparkling wine that has been filtered. Filter your... Another and more stuff going to Brian Schmidt. Boy, do I own Brian a lot of money. Uh, yeah, you do. It's, go, own it's a lot going of money. to Hades Project, though. Yeah, so yeah I a, think I, I think we should. We're... I think we should just have a, a podcast where we swear a lot so that we can give Brian <laughs> some money. Yes. <laughs> um, that being said, along with some of the other trends, are, are skin contact whites no. and not necessarily orange. Hey, listen, I don't want you to cut me off like you did in the last no. podcast where we were just shooting the breeze. No. Tasting Mackenzie's skin contact Rieslings were both fantastic. They tasted like Riesling. Uh, they held their acidity, and there was a nice complexity to them. And you know what? It's a bottle that I could pour for you. Yeah. You know what? Is it my jam the way the St. Urban off-dry Riesling is, or like the Featherstone off-dry Riesling, or some of the drier Rieslings? Some of the 30 in, in bench Niagara. offerings. I mean, that's it. Is, is it something that I'm really rushing out to get? No. Do I recognize that there's people who are really into that sort of thing? Yes. Do these wines actually taste good? Yes. I mean, it, it sort of pains me to to admit it, but I mean, it's they're few and far between. I, I really, I really they're enjoyed few and far between. I though. really enjoyed the tasting at, at Trail. I found the the skin contact wines to be set to a higher standard than a lot of the skin contact wines that are on the market. I, and I, and I Mackenzie tasted, knows what she's doing. I have tasted more dogs in skin contact wine whites than i have really stars how so, you taste did you taste the wines at trail i have not been to trail i am going okay. to, to the county in october uh with some friends uh maybe we'll swing by i really think i would actually really like to hear what you think of these wines um because i, I think i think it's absolutely fair that we are critical of this style and i also think for most of the people listening to this podcast 
There's probably mixed opinions on, on what they feel about it. There's a reason we got away from that sh- stuff. You can say sh- We're already giving the money to Haiti. So there's a reason we stopped doing that and we went to cleaner methods. That being said, let's take a look. Okay, but case in point, the craft beer movement, right? Um, the thing, like, the large brewers found a way to use technology and to use uh, scale to make large quantities of beer in a very clean and very safe way. And I think along the way, you've lost a lot of character from it. Um, I think there is a way where you have to worry about over-mechanizing and over, like, overstating use of technology in your, you know, I guess we're calling it high-intervention winemaking. There's got to be a balance you know between what? the I, two. I was in Ohio over the weekend at a rosé party, and we, I was speaking to uh, some people, and they said, you know, some of those pet nets taste like beer. Like Saison beer, those cask condition yep. beers. Yep. Okay. It's wine. It's not beer. If I want to drink a beer, I have a beer. I don't need to have wine that tastes like beer. Okay, but you write a taste. It was, uh, a, a sour beer doesn't really taste like beer sour either. Sour beers. That was another one that they said. But, but it doesn't really taste like beer either. It's a, it's a style, right? You, okay. you set the no. expectation of the no. customer wine and you deliver like it. Wine. Beer should taste like beer and stop Okay, it. but if you want wine in that style, you should be able to get it and let, the market, let the market decide. Stop it. Let the market decide. Stop Let the market it. decide. Oh, for God's sakes. I'm coming across the table and hitting you with the Moulinex or whatever the heck that is. The KitchenAid? Yeah. That seems heavy enough. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, we're talking about the good. Um, if we're talking about the bad, I mean, um, tourist season in county in the county has definitely gone, like, full tilt. Um, I'm pretty patient for cyclists. I, I'm, I'm really, I really think that getting around the city, you have to be a little bit crazy to be on a bike. But I, I, think, it's, um, I think it's important that we... I don't understand biking wine tours. I really don't. If I can't drink and drive, why should I drink and bike? But anyway, go on. Uh, that's a very good point as well. Yeah. You, should, you should never drink and drive, whether you're on two wheels or, yeah. or four. So suddenly, but I mean, but if it's something you want to do recreationally, that's fine. I guess the point that I'm making is uh, I feel bad for people who live in the county. Uh, the cyclists in Prince Edward County are obnoxious. I'd really like to see the OPP uh, maybe enforcing some more rules of the road for these obnoxious cyclists just to make sure people can get around. Um my, and, my brother I mean, once it. got a well, got, once got a ticket on his bicycle for going through a stop sign. So, you know, drinking and biking should be a, a thing. I, I didn't see anyone who was like obviously inebriated on a bicycle, but a lot of people riding like five bicycles abreast on a gravel road. I mean, these are functional roads. Um, yeah, cycle. If you're if you're someone who's cycled in Prince Edward County, I think you're kind of a fool right now. So so cycling in the county is what you're upset about. That's yeah. your, that's your bad. That is my bad. That's your bad takeaway. That is that is my bad takeaway. I had, uh, I, as I mentioned, I, I've been to Ohio. We, we, we went to Ohio. We went through New York. And we stopped at a place called Johnson Estates. Um, New York is still New York. When was it, it comes big? And large. What, was Johnson Estates large or was it small? It's a, well, it was started in 1961. Thomas Batchelder would like to know that there's a Johnson Estates because he actually makes a Johnson wine from Oregon, from the Johnson Vineyard. We've made plenty of fun about him and his Johnson. But, so I was at Johnson Estate. I hadn't even thought of that one, but I should have should have texted should have texted Thomas at the time. But, um, you know, New York State is, is still relatively about sweet wines, but they are doing some interesting stuff. What are the uh, varieties they've got planted? Um, you know, they've got Cab Franc, they've got Chardonnay, they've got... I was only, I was really only interested in 
the the, um, the Venice Vitifera varietals that they had. It's a so lot of hybrids as well. There were some hybrids there. So Pinot Noir. So those are the things I was tasting. Um, I tried a very nice Chardonnay from Johnson. It was, uh, um, I think it was called Toasted Oak, uh, which is just done in stainless steel with staves. And it's a very pleasant wine. So, yeah, there's there's a serious side to New York. And I think somebody uh, at one point said 75% of the industry is still the sweet stuff but there is that 25 percent of the industry that's that's trying to push to get a little more serious in in what they're doing so that was that was an interesting little uh, little visit there and then uh from there on to ohio where i had two wineries on my list of places to go and one of them was fantastic it was called m sellers I can't speak highly enough about them. I met the uh, the winemaker. I met his wife. I met a bunch of their staff. They were very interested. They, it seems that everybody in Ohio really loves Ontario. Um, um, they were getting all kinds of uh, of their equipment from us, which was which was pretty neat. Uh, I think they said that they were getting a, a harvester or a or a tractor from Blueberry Hill up here. So it was, it okay. was coming through that day. I don't know why. I, Anyway, they get their stuff, and they mentioned Pilateri. I think they get some tanks from Pilot through Pilateri or barrels through Pilateri. I thought it was really hilarious. Interesting. Uh, the the connections that they have with Ontario. He's making a nice sparkling wine. He's making a, a really good uh, rosé. I tried his uh, eighteen rosé, which is really lovely. He's added a little bit of Pinot Gris to it, which I think is probably one of the best things that you can do with Pinot Gris is to add it to rosé and give it a little bit of freshness. I think that was great. Uh, some Pinots. Did a, did a great job. And as I said, I said, I'm a, I'm a wine writer from Ontario. And, you know, um, the winemaker comes out. His wife comes out. Everybody starts talking to me. Now, th- there's a lot of interaction. Are you going to be making a video on any of these wines? Um, Your very popular video series. You love getting comments on them. No, you know what? I will not. Uh, I, uh, no, I, I didn't I didn't get any video wines for it. I'd like, okay. yeah, I'd like to go again. I'd like to... Um, uh, you know, if, if it's twice in a row that I'll, I'll taste something that's fantastic, then I go, okay, now it's time to look a little bit more at Ohio. But I don't think the Ohio industry is at that, that point yet. How many wineries in Ohio? A lot. I get, I get an email from the Ohio, uh, the Ohio Wine Growers Association. There's quite, there's quite a bit. Cool. I'm really surprised. That I, didn't, I, I didn't even know Ohio had an industry. Like, I know I drove through. There's that corner in, on south of Lake Erie that Pennsylvania connects there, right? There is a little bit, yeah. I know there's wineries there, and obviously I did the Finger yeah, Lakes. New York, Pennsylvania, then Ohio. But you're in, you're in Pennsylvania for a very short period of time at that point on I-90. So I remember that because I, I think we crossed over from New York. Like, Johnson is right on the border. We crossed over, didn't even notice the state line. Next thing you know, we're in Ohio, and we're like, what happened to Pennsylvania? Turns out we had been there, but we just didn't realize it. Then I went to another winery, and this is where the bad comes in. Uh, I went to a place called Laurentia. Okay. And... Um, you know, the other places had no idea I was I was showing up. I just I just showed. I picked those two places. Yeah, Johnson. I talked to Fred Johnson. I, I learned his family history. Uh, all, you know, the the manager wanted to speak to me. Yeah, I, I, and I was able to get all the information that I required um, by just just you know saying I'm a wine writer. I'm interested in this. Asking a lot of questions. And if I always find if you ask, ask a lot of questions at a winery, even if you're not a wine writer, you're going to get somebody who says, you know what, maybe maybe I should get you somebody who knows a little more. Than I do. I just picture you showing up to winery and being like, "Don't you know who I am?" But I don't. I know you don't. And <laughs> so I went to this Laurentia place. Who I have a friend who uh, who knows somebody there and reached out and said, "I have this wine writer friend coming. I hope you can find it in your heart to show them, you know, the good side of Ohio wine." 
They didn't. Uh, it was amazing that I, you know, I, I, I asked for a few wines to try. I even put a card down. I said, I'm a wine writer from, from Ontario. I was recommended your winery. Uh, I ended up with a young lady who really knew very little about the wines. She just poured them for me. Which, you know what? Um, having an employee who knows little about the wines is not necessarily a bad thing. Because we tasted through our wines at Hinterland with a young woman behind the bar. But she admitted that she didn't know anything when I started asking questions. And she was still very pleasant. But she got some very good friendly. Help you, did she not? And, uh, I mean... When, when, when you're dealing with a winery and, and we're doing what we're doing, worst case scenario, I can make a few notes and send an email Correct. to the winery later. There's, so, there's, there's still, there is still a way to give good service, even if you don't know as much about the wines as the person was, you're serving she to. She was pleasant enough. How about okay. that? Okay. But then when I started asking a few questions, she went looking through the book and started reading me tasting notes. Okay. That doesn't help me at all. I just... I was I was I was very disappointed. I was very disheartened by this winery that everybody said, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mention the Laurentia Winery. Everybody said you gotta go there. Look, it's a very impressive place. When you drive down the driveway, you know when you walk, go through it, there's this big huge arc, and it, you know uh, my wife said, oh, it looks like South Fork. You know from uh, do you remember South Fork? Do you remember I don't Dallas? Remember South Fork. Dallas, the that's show? before my time, Michael. So you, I think you drive, I was like five when that was. And on you the drive air. through this forest, very pretty, nice winery. They 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 specialize mostly in I would think food and wine is what they do. They have, they have a, a place where you can get food mostly, but I mean, you know, for a tasting experience, I am so glad I went to M Cellars first because I think I would have said screw the whole thing. I am not doing Ohio wines because they have no idea what they're doing here. Wow. Well, so, I guess I guess that's not the, just the bad. That's the ugly. That is the ugly part of it. And I was and I was and I was very disappointed because they were the only winery who knew I was coming. That's the that is I think the ugliest part is that they knew I was coming. Somebody had said, "There's somebody coming." You know, um, maybe Hinterland didn't know you were coming. Maybe you just showed up, and that's fine. No, I I I I, I did let them know, but I mean, it's it's the same thing too, where. Um, I think anyone listening to this podcast who's seen how you and I conduct ourselves in the tasting room, we're, we are very much not the people uh, who would say, don't you know who we are? Um, and I, I have had bad experiences at, at some tasting places where, I mean, when you're dealing with when you're dealing with media and you're dealing with people who, I guess, are just above average wine drinkers, you need to you need to treat them a certain way. Yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't I feel I got this... the information that I wanted. Yeah, and and I guess the sad part of that whole thing is, is that the other two wineries didn't know I was coming, and, and I'm not going to say they rolled out the red carpet when when I I gave them a card. They at least had people there who could answer my questions uh, and realize that that this was an opportunity to get their story out. I mean, that's it. Okay, the other winery knew I was coming didn't seem to care okay you're repeating yourself now i'm just saying this is really upsetting you it, it, you know what it was because and again i would recommend if you're ever in ohio go to m sellers have a good time had i known that i would have said i didn't even know they had a back deck where you could get food had i known that i would have spent my afternoon there drinking their rosé and their sparkling wine that sparkling rosé was really good too what was the rosé made with uh pinot chard oh oh yeah that's interesting very light kind of rosé too and Almost sparkling? coppery color. And the sparkling? That was the car- that was the sparkling. That was the sparkling. Okay. Yeah. The it's pe- a, the, it's the, a sparkling rosé. You made rose it sound brew- like you made it sound like two different wines. It was. And then they have a rosé that is uh, 
Pinot, Cab Sauv, Cab Franc, Petit Verdot, and then they added um, some uh, Pinot Gris into it for the 18. And that is really good and falls into the $20 range. Perfect for Michael. Yes. And Andre. Yeah, actually, that's, I mean, I think we spent, we've spent too much time talking about how much I spend on wine. I'd really like to spend a lot less. Yes, your wife would too. <laughs> uh, I'm Andre Prue from underwinereview.ca. Make sure you check out Patreon and think about helping us out. We're two guys talking wine. I'm uh, Michael Pincus of michaelpincuswinereview.com. That's the good, bad, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. Of our summer so far. Very ugly. Yes. And, um, yeah. Um, I'm going to drink a three-liter bottle of wine with some friends this weekend. Which, uh, what's the wine? Uh, Nuit d'Ivresse. And you have a good time. I will. Good night! Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.